Welcome to the Get Well Podcast. I am your host, Serena. Today's episode is near and dear to me because my mother, Abby, will be joining me today. Um, She is my role model. And if I can be half the woman that my mom is, then that's good enough for me. My mother and I have been through a lot together in our life, but specifically my mom. I have asked her to open up about the terrors that she endured with her relationship, her psychological and physically abusive relationship that she was in with my biological father for a couple of years. And um, we are creating this episode to hope to help women who are trapped in toxic and abusive relationships find the courage to get out and leave. Um, I'm so grateful to be able to share these moments with my mom. Some of the stuff that she's sharing today, I had no idea about. And um, I am just so grateful and inspired by her as she shares the story. And um, it's just very powerful. So let's kick things off. Abby, mother, will you please introduce yourself and tell the listeners anything that you'd like them to know? Hello, my name is Abby, uh, and I am a 49-year-old woman, um, mother of two. I have Serena and a 15-year-old. I have been married for this April will be 16 years. My occupation is an educator. Uh, I'm an assistant principal at a uh, local district here in Central Texas, and I hold the the position as an assistant principal at an elementary school. Thank you so much for sharing that. So I want to jump right in. We are talking about the relationship my mother was in when I was born and before I was born with my biological father. Before meeting my father, were you in any other relationships? Um, Very few. Uh, Let's see. And I started dating in high school and that was when without having the older brothers, I had, um, more, it was just a passing type thing. And then my started college, I did not have anybody. And I started college right out of high school. I was more into, uh, working, earning money, uh, buying things, that sort of thing. And then I really didn't start dating anybody even during that time that I, I guess I was a late bloomer. Um, and then uh, I started going out probably when I was about 22 and I met a soldier. That relationship began to blossom and we became engaged. Uh, he went off to um, some school in Maryland. Uh, I can't remember what training it was. I think a drill sergeant training or something. And so he, uh, uh, I was here while he was gone for three months at that time when he returned, the night he returned, he explained he did not want to have a relationship any longer. Uh, He did not want to be engaged. Um, Evidently, he he did tell me he met somebody else while in uh, Maryland. And then I kind of started getting like a tougher, tougher skin type thing. I kind of took all my stuff back. Um, the way I handled that breakup was I just did not want anything to do with him. Uh, he wanted to still be friends. I said, no, 
don't want the friendship relationship. So I moved out. He kept the the rental that we stayed in. And then um, I went ahead and continued to go to school and work to try to get my mind off that. Well, the following relationship, it was Serena's dad. I met him. I took a job uh, attempt job at a dealership and he was a car salesman. And so that's how I met, met him. Um, and then I would see him at night if I went out and, um, he kind of like was following me. Um, he knew where I worked, which I went to college. I did temp job during and the And how day. old were you at this time? About 22, 23. He would follow me at a sports bar. He would go to the sports bar. He obviously um, didn't like that I worked there. I had a lot of regular clients that would wait for me to go on the job, to wait for them, cater to them. So I had a lot of... Or talking or calling. I, I don't I, know how you call it. Y'all weren't texting, but... No, we weren't texting <laughs> in the 90s or early nineties. I, we really like, we would go out together, but you know, I, now that I think of it, I don't think that he ever even took me out on a date. Like, I think we went out as a group and we would go out and do things like with, with the people you worked with. No. Oh, just y'all two? Just us and his friends. Oh, okay. So, so you noticed like the first thing, did you think it was weird that he would follow you around and didn't like where you yeah, were? I, I didn't think it was weird. I didn't even, I had no idea that he would follow me in the car. One day I was putting in gas. Uh, I was leaving my shift at the sports bar and he was, fo he followed me to the gas station and I didn't even know, he, he never came into the bar that day. He ended up, um, Stay, I guess, staying and watching me leave. I what a creep. Yeah, I know. Uh, and so I tried to distance myself from him. I, some of the clients that I worked for that I had, you know, worked at the dealership, that temp agency actually hired me on full time to work there at their office to assign individuals job individual jobs to people. And so, and I worked at the temp agency at the time. I would go to lunch, and he actually he there were some times where he would take me to lunch. I think at that time, but I had some friends that would I that I would hang out with, and after work. Uh, we would have a drink. Um, I would have a drink with friends before I'd head home. It was Sherwin Williams paint store. I would hang out there. He didn't like that. I hanged out with friends there. Um, the majority of them were men. Did and he like tell you, I don't like you hanging out with these people or was it just like implied? No, it wasn't implied. He actually whore stuff like that. Whore, slut, he would call me names. He also judged me for being a waitress at a sports bar. So I ended up quitting that job. Um, Why did you quit the job? But I quit that job because I had a full-time job. And, you know, when I look back at it, I think maybe he had some type of influence on me at that time as to, to try to quit. So... I ended up quitting. Um, we would go out a lot at night. Um, I stopped seeing my friends at the paint store and then ended up uh, feeling 
like, okay, I'm going to continue this relationship with him. I, um, he ended up taking me to meet his parents and I want to say it was like, oh, maybe it was like a Thanksgiving or some, I, I can't remember what time of the year it was. It wasn't Thanksgiving. I can't remember. It but was a holiday or something. It was some type of holiday we went. Maybe it was Mother's Day or something like that. I met his mother. He obviously had a conversation with his mom about a necklace. And I remember him being rude to her tried to calm him down or something. Anyway, on we took my car and when we took my car, mind you, this was out of the way for you to take your car. This was like a two hour trip. Yeah. Two and a half hour trip. Yeah. So we ended up, um, taking my car on the way back and, and, and he drove it. So one of the things that my dad told me whenever I was growing up was, don't ever let a man drive your car. Well, he drove my car. I let him drive my car. Didn't listen to my dad. I, I don't know if I didn't remember that, but. Or he probably time, pressured you into it, knowing him. Yeah. Like, I'm taking, we're taking your car type of thing. Yeah. I would think that. Um, on the way back, he used the N word. And I didn't appreciate that. I said, you know, don't use you don't have to use that word. Um, and I don't think that there was any individual in the area or anything like that. He just used that word and I didn't like it. And, you know, I, I didn't, I wasn't around people that use that word. And so when I said that he slammed on the brakes, then he punched me in my chest and I, it took the wind out of my, out of my breath, out out of my chest. It took the, my breath away. <laughs> I was just like, uh, I started crying. And then he, you know, immediately after he hit me, he started pounding on my car dashboard. And when he pounded on the car dashboard, it left a crack in the, above oh the goodness. air conditioner. So he pounded it on it, uh, pounded on it pretty hard. And so, um, I didn't say anything on the way uh, the rest of the way. I just remember thinking I can jump out of the car at the next light or I can, you know, something like that. I didn't know really the route. Now I know the route, but I didn't really know the route at that time. And so I, I remember thinking, oh my God, my brothers, if my brothers knew this, he would be dead. And so, um, uh, I was worried about that. <laughs> and so, I remember getting to his apartment and dropping him off and uh, evidently I, I do remember that we, he had taken his clothes to his mom to wash over that weekend. And um, I got behind the wheel. He got his stuff out, uh, went into the apartment, was coming out. I, I think I left some stuff in the parking lot <laughs> and I was, um, I turned, I pulled out and turned around to leave the complex and he chased my car and he was in underwear because he thought I was going to come in. I guess he thought I was going to come in and he's bawling and crying. I love you. Just a whole change of demeanor. And I, I continued to leave and I could feel the side of me that was like, F you, I don't want anything to do with you. I could feel that side 
time I started to feel sorry for him, you know, because that's what I started to feel sorry for him. And then, so I got, you know, I left. Well, what did he do? He called me, he continued to call me over and over and over again. And remember, uh, to work and going to lunch and, and you worked with him too. Oh, no, that was just that for was like that, a week, okay. week or two. Um, that was like when I met him, uh, when I went to work at the temp agency, went to work, going to lunch, and he was following me and I tried to get away. I kept trying to get away. Did you tell anybody? Yes. I told the people that I worked for mm-hmm. and they were a husband and wife. And I told them, you know, I told them what was going on and they told me to call the police. So I think I called the police, but there was not anything done. You know, they didn't do anything. Um, I just stopped going to lunch. So I think I was pregnant at the time, but didn't know it. But didn't know it. I, you know, I tried to get away. I remember swooping into McDonald's. Uh, I don't even think I ate lunch that day. Because I noticed him and I was like, oh my God, he won't leave me alone. And again, I did not, I did not know these signs. I did not think about these signs. And I think the reason I didn't think about these signs is because I had never been in a real relationship on a, that, that had how you're supposed to treat someone or not treat someone. I will say that the soldier that um, I was going to marry, there were some attributes, not physical, not psychological, but financial. And so like I felt that whenever I left that relationship, I felt like he just used me for what, when he was here stationed in Fort Hood. Now he's leaving and it has this other person. And so I've just felt like he was a, um, a leech. And so uh, that's one of the reasons why I just did not want to continue the relationship with him. But um, back to your dad. Um, so the early signs were him following you, definitely hitting you, yelling at his mother. Yeah. yeah um, calling me names. Calling you names. Uh, trying to make me feel bad for um, working at a certain place, making decisions for myself. And isolation. Yeah. And isolation. Um, And so those were signs that I never, I didn't know what those signs were. I kind of was like going through the motions. I, I didn't know what those signs meant. I didn't know that they were red flags. So, um, you know, he pressured his way back into my life and, um, I, I moved, I think I was living with a friend of mine from the sports bar, her and I got a house together and he ended up, um, talking me into him moving in. Well, it really upset my roommate because I didn't tell her. And, um, when I did that, um, she ended up leaving, she ended up leaving. Um, he wasn't giving me money for rent. And he was getting most of his money from his parents, I found out later. 
he really wasn't. I think he leached off of them. Yeah. So when um, uh, he ended up going to, he was working at the car dealership, but they were calling me because he wasn't showing up for work. So I would be at work and I said, well, I, I guess he didn't go in today. And this is when he lived at the apartment. And um, I remember they send, sent people over there to try to get him to get up to go to work. Uh, I know that his mother had something to do with it because um, she would call the general manager over there um, and try to get him to go to work. So that's a sign someone who's not going to work. So yeah. Anyway, at this time I ended up becoming pregnant. I think that's why he moved in. And so I remember getting into a heated argument. I think he was drunk and my friend Terry was upset and he was calling her names. She left, but I was there by myself with him. And he punched a hole in the wall and I'm somebody that I'm not going to just let somebody hit me. I'm going to hit back anyway. So he ended up, um, we ended up having to lose that apartment or not apartment. The rental property was a house because he tore it up because he tore it up and the rent was so high. He couldn't pay Pay it. it. And so we lived in, I found out I was pregnant. We lived in the apartments that he, his apartment, I think. And I remember being pregnant in that apartment and there was a fight where I fell back and I still have a, where I fell back and broke like my finger. Oh, and uh, when we lived in that apartment, the, the job that I had, I had to carry a beeper. Mm-hmm. Do you know what a beeper is? Like a, when they, someone's going to call you. Yeah, and you need to call call them back. back, Well, I was on shifts where at night um, we had uh, employees that would be working um, night shift. And I would be on call, which would mean that if something happened, I had to respond. And uh, we had an accident on the job at one of the companies. And it was one of our temp employees. So they would call me. I would get phone calls periodically and it would be, well, he didn't like that. Mm-hmm. And so one night it went off and, um, this, the man was hurt. He took, I called them back. Um, and he was very upset and he took the beeper and slammed it on the floor and it broke, it shattered. Um, there was nothing done with this man, right? This mm-hmm. hurt person. That's terrible. And so I went in the next day and got, you know, reamed for it. And I had no choice but to, you know, they said, you're fired. You, you're not going to, you know, work here anymore. And I, you know, got upset. And I will say that some of those, like, I cussed them out, but then that was not, me that was not not me it was like i learned i started learning that behavior and so i think also but in this at the same time all of that everything that i was going through was trauma so it was a way of me it was a way that i was just lashing out at someone you know Uh, we ended up staying in that apartment 
I had to find another job because he wasn't working. Uh, so I found another job. So after losing the, my job at the temp agency, I had to find another job, um, because he would not, he did not have steady, steady income as a car salesman and didn't sometimes didn't show up for work. So I ended up, uh, securing a job at Scott and White, uh, in Temple. And so I worked there at the clinic, you know, began to get bigger and bigger, that night that we got a, got into a fight um, and I fell onto my finger and it broke my finger. And did one, you go to the hospital? No, I didn't even, I, I knew it hurt and it was big, but the, um, the supervisor that I worked with noticed it. She said that um, she asked me what happened. And I said, I had gotten into a fight and, with my husband and oh my gosh, um, my coworkers began, began to worry about me. I don't know what happened. It was something with the paycheck. He ends up showing up. Oh, after that fight, he delivered some flowers and I told him in front of everybody, I don't want them. And he got upset. Like, did he get upset on scene or like when you got home? No, he got upset on scene. Yeah, that sounds like he was getting upset. I had to get him away from everybody because it was embarrassing. I yes. guess. Yes, and so my supervisor's supervisor showed up uh, because it was causing so much um, chaos that she told him to leave. I remember him yelling about the paycheck, my paycheck and um, that it better go in the bank. I ended up going, instead of going to my parents, I ended up going home to the apartment. As my pregnancy got closer, we ended up moving out of that apartment. I think it was because it was that fight. And um, I remember the police coming. I gave a statement. They talked to him out there, out, out there, outside of the apartment. Um, we ended up getting kicked out because of the, the fights and the yelling and um, that sort of thing. So we got evicted. Um, we ended up moving in. And this whole time I'm working at Scott and White, we ended up moving into a really old home. That's where I set up your nursery and in construction. And so he was working in construction and would go, go to work. I remember I would make his lunch every day. I would make him lunch, breakfast and lunch and then get myself ready for work. And I would go to work. Even living in that house, there were things that happened. Like that's where he tied me up, like tied my hands and my feet just to yell at me, just to yell at me. Mm, one, that hurts my heart. One time I was in the shower pregnant, just mm. Pregnant. He opened the curtain and I'm trying to shout, you know, I'm showering, but I'm crying. He's just right there in my face, yelling, just screaming red. He's just red. And I don't even know what it was about. It was probably something stupid. Like I left a fork in the sink or something. Cause he did not like that. And I think a lot of it is I didn't like, I stuck up for myself. Mm -hmm. Like I was still sticking up for myself and not accepting what he was telling me. But I didn't know what to do. Like, I didn't know that you could leave, like I could leave. Um, so you just kind of felt obligated since you were pregnant with me. Yes. And so I remember one time 
call uh running out of the house that going and just leaving down the street walking down the street and there was a laundromat and he was following me in the truck and he was trying to look for me in the truck and so I don't even know how I got out of that. I remember calling the police and I called and spoke with my brother. Um, I told him I'm in the laundromat. So I'm hiding in the laundromat. And I remember uh, just between a machine, like casing for change or whatever, and just crying. And there was nobody in there. It was lit, but it was dark outside and it was cold. And I was pregnant. It was just not, not good. It was not good. I worked up until I had you and I ended up going into labor in early, like at five in the morning. And so I ended up doing that. And they, I remember the people at work were excited for me. They were betting, um, they were betting how much you would weigh and all of that. And And y'all didn't know my gender. Yeah. We didn't know your gender. If you were going to have a boy or if I was going to have a boy or girl and even the doctors were in on it, it was fun. I just know that I had, I still had a lot of people that cared about me, but I wasn't vocal. I wasn't, I know that I tried. I tried several times, even before I was pregnant. I remember trying people telling me, you need to get away from him. You need to get him out of your life. But it was some, I don't know. It was like I was stuck in quicksand and I just didn't know what to do. I didn't have experiences. I didn't have somebody to tell me. I I did. I did have everybody that told me, but I didn't know the steps to take. We had you and we only stayed in that house after having you. And then he took me away from everything and moved me to where I didn't know anybody. I had to get a job because he could not keep, keep a job. He got a job at Walmart. And mind you, I didn't know his past. Mm-hmm. I didn't know everything that the community knew, knew about him. I had no idea. But do you want to share that? Well, I can share that if you want me to share that, but no, it's okay. Once I knew, well, my father-in-law and my mother-in-law were working on fixing up the mobile home that he owned, that he was getting rent money from like he had people evicted so that we could live there i didn't even know he was getting income from that i didn't know he was getting income for leasing land i didn't know that but this whole time you're I'm a, struggling i'm pregnant pregnant and doing all you know pregnant having to take care of him drive him places probably do all this stuff yeah so um that made you mad yeah and so i ended up taking care of you with in six weeks of your birth, I had a job. I had a job because I worked it in a, in a clinic setting. I uh, worked for Trinity Mother Francis. I trained in Tyler for two weeks. And you were probably going through postpartum depression too. Oh my god! And then you had to get up and go to work. Yes. And you couldn't really enjoy your time with a newborn. Right. So a lot of the stuff that was given to me was given to me by my my in-laws. They bought a lot of the stuff. They had a lot of money. Yes, they had money to do that. That was one of the times I tried. I'm telling you, I tried to leave so many times. Mm-hmm. That was when his mother said, you just have to learn to get along. And, you know, and mm. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to live like that. And the, the thing about it is, I know my father-in-law... 
understood it because he got in the car and got me in the car and we were driving back. Like he would take you away from him. And so his, my mother-in-law made it sound like it's just, it's you, you don't, you don't know how, you know, it was, a, it was really like you both are in the wrong. You know, I hear I have some people that I'm supposed to look to for help telling me I'm doing, I'm wrong. And of course, I already got that from Brian anyway. He would always tell me, you have a bad temper. You haven't, no, it wasn't my temper. I was trying to stick up for myself Mm -hmm. every single time. The fights are from you. And that, you know, it was like the roles were reversed. They tried to reverse the role. And I'm like, no, you know, my mother-in-law is telling me the same thing. So we were, um, I would say about 15, 20 miles back. And they're all talking to me and telling me this. And I ended up saying, okay, well, let's just go back. They never took me back to Temple. Back home. You were stuck there. I was stuck there. So when was like your final breaking point where you were like, I have to get out of this. There, no more. I can't do this anymore. My in-laws were out of town. They had visited a friend in Kansas and it was a Saturday. And I had met friends from work, from the place I worked. They knew him. One lady. This is a really small town. You think Belton Temple is small, but no, this is like a smaller town. And they're like, oh my gosh, you're married to him. I remember him delivering roses to the clinic after a fight. Like that's one of the reasons why I don't really care to have flowers or anything delivered to me because I always feel like there's something behind it. So I ended up um, staying there and he ended up losing his job at Walmart. Never got a job again. His mom and dad were gone. My friends asked me if I wanted to go shopping in Tyler to the mall. We went shopping and um, I spent the day with my friend and her, you know, it was her, uh, you were with me. Oh, okay. Yeah. You were with me. I took you with me. She had a little girl that I think was a little bit older than, than you. And so I left your dad at home. Well, I don't know what he was up to when he was there, except for trying to find a boat, trying to buy a boat. So I'm the one with the bank account and I'm the one with the money, with the job. Yeah. Uh, he said, I need you to write a check for $75,000. And I'm like, I'm not going to write a check. I said, that's against the law. I will get put in jail. I'm not going to do that. Because you don't have the money. Because I don't have the money. And he said, well, my mom and dad are going to be coming back. They'll give you the money. I just need the check. And I'm like, no. So I end up calling. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I end up calling her. I don't think so. Um, I think he calls her and says, and she's saying, no, we're not going to give you that money. I don't think it was 75,000. I think it was like 15,000. But it felt like a lot at the time. Yeah. I had just, you were, how old were you? You were 23. Yeah. And so 23, 24, I think I was 24 when I had you, but she, she said, no, I'm not giving you. She's like, no, I don't You're not buying a boat. That's what she said. And so here I'm, I'm feeding you. I had just walked in. I'm feeding you. I'm going to go let you lay down, you know, that sort of thing. And still thought that it was okay for me, even though his mom said no, he said me to write a check. And I wouldn't, Mm -hmm. again, this was me sticking up for myself. I went and laid you down in bed fan when I let, let, got you to sleep. 
and um, he started yelling and screaming and you were such a, such a peaceful baby you didn't you didn't wake up or anything but i remember going going to call 911 the phone and he grabbed the phone away from me and he slammed it on my arm which caused a big lump on my arm and i couldn't go anywhere i couldn't mm. drive off i couldn't take you anywhere i think you did finally wake up and you were hearing a lot of loud noises. And so, and you're, you were five months, five mm -hmm. months old. You know, he left to go outside when he threw the keys. And I remember slamming the door, the cabinet drawer, um, and turning around and seeing you. And when I saw you, I was like, you were looking at me like, you can't do this. You can't live like this. That's what I was getting from a five month old baby. That's what I was like. She's telling me right now, you got to go. I ended up listening to your little eyes and saying, I'm going to get out of here. I watched him throw my keys so I couldn't leave. Mm -hmm. So I put you back in your bed. He was outside. I went to uh, the little store that's there by the house to call. I had no phone. Um, I knew that if I had taken you with me, you would have gotten hurt. He would have yanked you from me. Mm -hmm. So I calmly put you in the bed. I went to the, uh, or I wanted, and I called nine, the sheriff's department is who was supposed to come. And I waited. I remember calling my brother collect my mom, letting them know to come pick me up. And, um, I got to get out of here. Um, calls that I made to my mom. I said, I cannot stand being in the same room with him. I can't. It's just killing me. I can't. I can't. I think that was after one time he had, I was nursing you. And when I was nursing you, he slapped me in the face because I wouldn't go out with him and his friends on the porch to drink a beer. So I got slapped and slapped so hard where I'm on the bed nursing you and he, I fall back. And, um, anyway, go to the store, call the police and he ends up, uh, staying there with you and you, and he, you know what he said? He said, you just abandoned your baby. You just left your daughter. And I said, I wanted you to come help me. I needed help. You didn't come. And so I was, I was just like, I was living in hell. There was no way out, no way out. So there was another sheriff that ended up coming. And he was tall and dark and slim. And he said, I want you to get all of your stuff. And there were neighbors that knew him. Mm -hmm. In fact, the neighbors that he evicted that were living there were living in a, a different area, not a different area, another house down the road. And they took me, I took some clothes for you. Um, I was drying up. I didn't have a whole lot of nursing to give you. So I took the sample milk that the hospital had given me the Simlac milk. I took that and I took an empty clean bottle and I took the bottle that had milk in there for you and I took some diapers did not take any clothes for myself 
nothing. I just wanted to get out of there. And I was excited. I was like, oh, thank God I'm leaving. So I left with these people. That you didn't know. That I didn't know. And, and I just trusted that they were okay. And they ended up taking me to another house where they said, hey, we're going to go out tonight. And, um, you, you know, if you can stay and babysit, um, at this house, babysit their kids. Yes. Babysit their kids so that they could go out. Um, we're going to see if we can get a hold of, um, my friend that I worked with. And, um, so they got a hold of her. And so I was there. I stayed there probably until about one or two. In the morning? In the morning. And then my friend came and picked me up from there. Because, like, people knew each other there. And um, so I ended up going to her house, staying the night there. And there was this um, um, from my friend's house. Um, I went to her house. And she was another friend of mine. But she was older. She's like a, she would be your grandmother type mm -hmm. person. And... She was really nice. She was a single lady. She lived in a different town. So she took me to that town. She lived in Trinidad. And um, she had me sleep with a gun because we did not know if he would, if he knew. So he was trying to find me because mm -hmm. the, the police said, gave me, we're going to take him. You get your stuff and get out. Mm -hmm. And. And he's followed you before, so you had to yeah. have known he was yeah. coming after he you this time. Come, just... He was going to come find me. So from Virginia's house, um, I mean, I, I, I have a picture of her with you on that on the day that she took us in. And um, from Virginia's house, I called Jacob, my brother, and he came and picked me up the following day. And le we left. And when um, I got there, the sheriffs were there at my mom's and they said that I kidnapped you. And I told them that I didn't, that I needed to leave. And she did. She said, well, let me do, just do a well checkup. And she, she said that your dad had reported that you were on special medication. Lying. <laughs> that you were on special medication and that I took you without having that special medication. So they, they checked you and you were so, you were such a happy baby. Always happy. And they ended up um, saying, well, you're, you know, you're going to need to go through the courts and telling me all the legal stuff I needed to do. She said, but it looks like you're safe. It looks like your, your child is safe. And so I, um, I stayed there at Nana's um, with her. And uh, I remember having an appointment for you maybe two days after we got there and you mm -hmm. were still coming to the temple clinic 
and you had your you had to have some shots or whatever and so i ended up taking you to get that taken care of and when i got there the nurses were really concerned because he knew when you were going to go to your appointment um i skipped an event but anyway you knew so they were calling and cussing out all of the nurses who my dad was yes. calling and cussing out the nurses yeah he was calling and cussing out the nurses and um saying that i kidnapped you and all of this and um i remember that the nurse practitioner that we saw that day for the well child checkup was was she was so sweet she was one that got she she said we will um write up any kind of statement that you need uh for you and she said i can tell by your daughter she said she's never gonna let anything happen to you or uh, i can tell she's gonna stick up for herself she said something like that anyway so um Uh, there was a day, I don't think I skipped it, but there was a day where I ended up going, uh, getting on the phone with legal aid. And I, of course I had to wait until like eight o'clock until they opened. So I got on the phone with legal aid. And when I was on the phone with legal aid, let's see, my dad went to work. My mom went to work. My brother, Jacob was living there. He went to work. And I, me, you, and my dog, uh, Boyd, that I had left there, was the only, we were the only ones at the house. And I'm on the phone with legal aid, and and I said, he's he's done this, this, and this. Like, he's followed me. He's contacted the baby's doctor. He's, con you know, he told them that I kidnapped her. Um and you know i real i'm worried that he's going to come back and uh he said uh or the lady on the phone said well we're going to come pick you up well the reason she said we're going to come pick you up is because we weren't safe we were not safe he had he had come to the door and was pounding on it while when, you were on the phone while i was asking for legal aid and they knew that I was in danger. And so uh, he's pounding on the door, kicking the dog. They could hear Boyd yelling because Boyd's outside, outside on the porch and he's barking and you can hear him kicking the dog. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm telling them, I said, I, I need to get somebody. She said, we're coming. And so they sent somebody that, um, picked us he ended up leave, leaving because i told him i'm on the phone right now with police or legal aid i said i'm on the phone right now you need to leave before the cops come get you and he left but what he had done he waited for everybody in the house to leave before he approached the home to to pound so he's a fucking stalker yeah he was a stalker so anyway uh he ended up uh leaving and somebody did come pick me up uh, again, I did not have any clothes. Uh, I didn't, they told me not to tell my parents, not to tell anybody where I'm going. I didn't even know where I was going. 
So they, they picked me up. We drove in the country. We drove around. This lady was, she says, she told me, she said, I'm driving around because, um, I want to make sure we're not being followed. So you it, have to but trust it, but, this lady too. That's scary. Yes. I would be terrified. And, and I've, I've never seen this lady ever again, you know? So she, uh, drove me around. She said, it's not only for your protection, but it's for the protection of everybody else that's in the, uh, safe house. So, mm -hmm. um, so she drives me around. I don't know where I'm at. And, um, she takes me into this building and you're with me and we go into this building and, um, uh, they have me fill out paperwork. And when I, I'm filling out paperwork and then she, um, they gave me a binder that had, um, various literature about abusers. And, um, after I put you to bed, uh, they gave me, it gave me some quiet time. So I started reading that and I noticed that the, um, a lot of the indicators of an abuser was what I was seeing. So I ended up, um, thinking back to different times that I hid my keys in my underwear because most women end up, um, saving money, um, and, uh, hiding things that they're going to need, uh, when they try to leave. And so, I ended up, um, you know, staying there for about, I, I think two days. And, um, then after that, uh, I was let out. He found, you know, they kept him away. His parents finally showed up in town. Uh, they arrived back home from Kansas and found everything, found out about everything. And then, um, the next thing you know, I'm in a um, court custody to try to keep you. And we will probably end up doing a whole nother episode about what my mom went through during her custody battle, the other terrors that she went through and struggles. And we'll also probably do an episode about what it was like for her to be a single mother and what it was like for me to be raised by a single mother and our good times together as well. So my question is to you now, what would you tell women to prevent themselves from being in the situation that you were in with my father? I think the, the best thing that you can do is know who you are. That's important because if you don't know who you are, you can't set boundaries for yourself. Um, I read a lot of, after, after this happened, I started looking into literature about, um, abusers and, uh, you know, the different types of abuse and, I think the, the biggest sign, you know, look for the signs, pay attention to the signs, um, know that if you encounter, um, begin to have a relationship that is abusive, um, whether it be psychological, um, sometimes it doesn't even have to be a, um, 
a significant other. It could be a friend. Sometimes friends do that to you. Sometimes friends uh, psychologically abuse you. You just really have to know who you are, set your boundaries, um, and uh, look for know the signs. Educate yourself on the signs for sure. What would you tell women who are in that situation where they're trying to leave? What would you tell them to either inspire them or encourage them to leave? Because I know you mentioned that it felt like there was no way out. Right. I felt like there was, I was in, I was in hell. (laughs) Like there was no, no where to turn. Um, I did have a lot of people support me, but I didn't really know how to get out. And I really think that the resources that are available, you have to execute them. So these things just fell into my hands, like legal aid. The reason I went to legal aid was because they, I needed help paying for a divorce, Okay. So that's why I went to legal aid. It just so happened that when I was on the phone with them, they helped me. Um, they, they saw that it was a very, it was a dangerous situation. So that they reached out to me. So, and I went with it. Um, that was one of the things that I did was, you know, and you have to be really careful is going with the flow of things and in your life, Um, you have to be very careful on that, about that. Um, anyway, that's another segment. I will say that the best thing that you can do is, you know, find a way out. Uh, some people, some ladies have to do kind of like what I did where there it's underground type thing, where you're going from, you're hopping from place to place to place to get away Um, but you have to know that the people that you are with are not going to share the information with, um, the abuser because they will seek you out. They want control. They've already, they already know that they've, they're able to have control over you and, um, they were, they're going to continue to seek out. That's what they want. They want control. A normal person is going to say, oh, well, she left me um, and uh, there's, no, there's not a lot I can do. I'll just wait for her to come back. Mm-mm. An abuser is going to go seek you out because they want control. Um, and if a lot of times if you if they can't have you, they don't want somebody else to have you. So they're going to, they're going to try to seek out. I just want to just encourage you just not to give up and to seek out, you know, find the resources, um, that will help you. And then once you do get away and you are safe, don't have any contact with that person. And in my case, it was very difficult because Um, it was very difficult in the sense there was a child involved and I had to, you know, legally, uh, in the eyes of the court, I had to, she had to see her dad. Um, 
But uh, there are cases where the judge will say absolutely not, or it will be under supervision, um, that sort of thing. So it's very important that you don't have any verbal contact um, with this individual. Uh, you can request uh, the judge to have a second person uh, be the person to talk. Um, you can talk to like a mediator type person. Um, if you end up having to deliver the, the children uh, to him, I would, I would designate, have the courts de designate an individual to do that for you. Um, but uh, definitely not, not have any contact. Uh, For how long you think? Um, well, the research that I read at the, at the um, safe house was at least two years, mm -hmm. at least two years, no contact. Because what happens is they try to suck you in. They try to woo you back in. And um, when they try, when they, do that, then you're sucked right back into the same cycle. And so you have to, you have to understand there's a, there's a cycle that's involved in this and, and you have to break it. Thank you for that. That was, um, really good feedback. And I hope that, um, this episode inspires people who are maybe struggling with this and getting out of an abusive relationship. And I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your story, um, the courage that you have to share and to speak about this um, is great. And I know that you went through a lot after, like it's, it's crazy that my mom can do this episode without bashing my father. Like she didn't say any, any bad thing about him other than the truth. And I think that you know, I don't want to speak for her, but I think she did a lot of counseling for this and she really had to, you know, in the situations where, you know, she had to trust this lady that everything was going to be okay. She had to trust my grandparents with me that they were going to watch over me and take care of me when I was around my dad, etc. Um, but also after this, she went through a lot of counseling. Can you speak on that? Well, um, I went through a lot of counseling with, um, not per se right after this situation. Um, when, uh, I went through counseling is when I was court ordered during the custody battle, I was court ordered to undergo a psychological test. Um, I, I did go through, uh, two attorneys. Uh, I had to fire the first one. Um, and we'll talk about that, but, uh, when I did the psychological test, um, I did go and see someone, um, not because of the test, but, uh, I ended up going on antidepressants for a little bit only to get me through, uh, that hump, the, the, the stress of going through the divorce and trying to stay away. Um, but that was when I, I, I first sought counseling, um, to that. I really, the time that I dealt with this was probably about three or four years after. Mm -hmm. Well, anyways, thank you so much, mom, for sharing your story. I'm glad that you could come on and talk about this. And, um, one last thing, 
where can these women find help? Oh gosh. I know that there's a, uh, crisis center in Colleen. Um, and I know that, um, what would it be called? Like a woman's shelter or just a crisis center? It's a, it's a woman's crisis center. Yeah. Um, there are, I would ask legal aid, um, for sure. Though that that's all I know right mm-hmm. now that I can think of. Well, anyways, again, thank you so much and thank y'all for listening.